importance of knowing our history and learning about that which will allow us to restore our greatness. We are here today. We will be joined by our guest, who is a Milwaukee person. And that Milwaukee person is Miss Linda Jackson Cocraft, who is the founder of a magazine which is called Black Woman 50 Plus Magazine. And that magazine has been in existence since 2003. She publishes this magazine quarterly. And we are just so grateful that she has been willing to come on and join us so that we can learn more about the Black Woman 50 Plus magazine. And so it is with great honor that we have her to join us. We're working through some technical challenges and we hope to have those resolved by the next time we come together again. However, we're going to do as we always do. We will do the best that we can to keep it rolling, to keep it moving, because it is so important that we are talking, we are talking with one another, and if there are those of you who have a comment or a question, please give us a call at 215-490-9832 so that you may join the conversation that we are going to have together today with Ms. Linda Jackson Holcroft, founder of the Black Woman 50 Plus magazine, which is published here in Milwaukee, and we are just so delighted that she is going to join us today so that we can learn more about her, we can learn more about her vision, that which she felt was so important to compile in a quarterly magazine. Miss Jackson? Yes. Are you back here with us? Yes, well, I welcome. am. Thank you. And thank you for this opportunity. Miss Jackson, we uh, Jackson Colcroft, you and I met in I believe 2004. Um okay. and you asked me to uh participate in one of your your editions, and as I see it now, it was probably one of your early editions. Ms. Jackson Cocroft, tell us, are you from Milwaukee? I am uh, originally from, I was born, I should say, in Memphis, Tennessee. Um, however, my mother followed her brothers here, um, and Milwaukee has been my home since I was a child, small child. So you you know a lot about Milwaukee and its history. I do. 
I do. I know a little something, something. yeah. <laughs> Kim, may I say something, though, before we get sure. into the interview? Um, as as you mentioned in, in the introduction, um, I have been publishing Black Women 50 Plus Health and Lifestyles magazine um, since 2003, which means that this year, 2023, is my 20th year of publishing. Um, one of the more popular issues that I have had uh, during these 20 years was uh, included an article about uh, Dr. William Rogers, by Dr. William Rogers, I should say. He wrote on... Um, Black women in the church and profiled how black women are really responsible, uh, particularly earlier on, but also uh, in our contemporary, during our contemporary lives, black women are responsible for so many of the churches, the actual structures themselves because there was a time when black men could not get bank loans at all. However, black women, as a result of working as domestics, and there was a time, we know, when most of us uh, were employed as domestics uh, in some capacity, cooks, cleaners, da-da-da-da-da, but as a result of black women holding the, that position in these homes of white folks, they had good relationships with the women uh, of the house. And they were able to go to their women and say, well, my husband, or let's say Bob, Bob wants to to uh, buy this building for a church, or Bob wants to build a church, and he just can't get the money. Can can you tell me what to do so that we can get the money to uh, open this this edifice for our people? Da 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 da. And as a result, the uh, loans were made to the were were to the maid, not to the husband, who would be the pastor of the church but they were in the name of the woman who worked, the women who worked as domestics in these white homes. That is courtesy of Dr. Rogers. And it also still applies in many instances today uh, during a time when black men can get loans, but Frequently, their credit, because of, of our, our, the labor history with black folks and black men in particular, um, so many, as a result, many of the, of the, the um, what am I trying to say, not the leases, but the, the uh, help me, I'm blanking out here, many of the uh, mortgages are in the name of their wives. Are you there? I am. Okay. So um, Dr. Rogers and his contributions to uh, 
promoting our history, uh, educating us about our history, uh, will live on, um, lives on, lives on. And nothing, not enough can be said about his contribution uh, to our contributions to our education. Well, certainly this is a point that Dr. Rogers instilled, I believe, in all of us, and you've given certainly a prime example mm-hmm. of the value of knowing our history. And even as we speak here today, using yet another form of communication will allow us to create and preserve history so that the story that is told is the story that we are telling. And we need to be able to tell our story. Absolutely. Absolutely. And for others. I'm sorry. Go on. I'm sorry. Yes. For others to learn from those experiences. So often we think that things are new. Certainly the young people presume that things are new and that people haven't done certain things, and and I certainly, as a student also of history, um, but I was subject to some of that um, modified or skewed history, and so it has been a fabulous opportunity to learn of those who preceded us. Yes. who struggled with some some of the challenges that we are considering at this time. Uh, but I think that there is something to be learned from the history mm-hmm. so that, as I've often said, that we can build upon it and not always start from scratch, mm-hmm. which is such a waste of time. Yes. Or or repeat the mistakes of the past. Oh, my goodness, yes. Because we don't know the past. Yeah. We don't know know our past. No. um, But as we learn our history, it is just um, fabulous to open our eyes, especially when we think of things being such a challenge. And we, and I have to, Consider, if I think it's a challenge now, and I have, I have facts, I have texting, I have email, I have internet, and and yet, at a time when this technology was not available, people still came together. They met, they talked on the telephone, and even that. Um, has evolved um, over the last 150 years such that um, uh, we're able to do a lot more, but yet we we sometimes feel as though we are the first 
to ever deal with some of the challenges. And so I think the knowledge of the history is so valuable. And I'm so happy to hear that you, uh, as a publisher, have had the opportunity to work one-on-one with Dr. Rogers and incorporate his knowledge in your publication, if that's if that's how I'm understanding. Yes, um, that's what it. you that's presented it exactly. In fact, it was a cover story um, that talked about the mother's board in the church, the significance traditionally of the mother's board in the church, um, their influence. Their, uh, how they were held in esteem, uh, the impact that they made not only on the church overall, but individual parishioners. Uh, just, just the respect that, uh, and this is generally, those of you familiar with our church know that this is generally the, the um, elders of the church, female F- elders of the church, uh, but just the significance of their role in to the community, not just the church, but our community overall. Yeah. So well, I uh, and the irony. For I, that. Oh, you're more than welcome. The irony for me of that, of uh, when you look at the history and how black women um, helped to establish so many of the the role of black women in establishing so many of the churches. Uh, the irony is that in later years, we uh, women, black women, uh, uh, were refused the right to be to hold leadership positions within the church. That uh, so you know, within that, the same institution that they played such a major role in, in creating. Um, creating those. Um, edifices Mm -hmm. Um, and and until you raise it I didn't read the publication uh, or the edition that incorporated this story but as I'm hearing it to from you today of such a major role that black women played in our churches that's a story that needs to be told and probably told over and over again but yet realizing that um as and as I was listening to you speak um not understanding why black women have not held um more leadership roles mm-hmm. yeah, and have actually been isolated yes 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 well well thankfully there isn't as much of that today um, because so many women who have the skills have created their own churches, started their own churches. Um, but there is still among some resistance to female leadership in the church. So, and t- May I, may I turn a page for a second? 
Uh, you yeah. mentioned in introducing me, you mentioned that you were uh, you were actually on my front cover. You were a cover yes. story for an issue, and it was on HIV and AIDS in uh, our community. Because at that time, I don't know if you're still affiliated with them, you were working at a clinic, a local clinic, and that HIV-AIDS awareness, prevention, treatment was a major emphasis of yours at that time. Um, And unfortunately, there's still a need for um, that kind of service today. In fact, probably more so. Well, I'm still working in healthcare. Yes. And HIV is one of many health issues, particularly as we look at the whole issue of disparity. Yes. From the standpoint of the type of services that are received, the treatment that is made available. And um, that is a chilling conversation, and we've had this uh, on this platform uh, previously, and we will continue to uh, address that. But, yes, um, I was serving as the chief medical officer for one of the federally qualified health centers in Milwaukee, Milwaukee Health Services, that continues to have programs uh, related to HIV, and HIV certainly has expanded as more and more treatments have become available. No cures, but certainly um, it's not the death sentence that it was at that time. And people are living with HIV and and now uh, with some of the treatments are able to interact sexually uh, without the spread of HIV to their their partners. So um, yes, I I have personally had that that opportunity and and I've continued to be able to do. Uh, continue to look and work in that realm, um, actually, in many other cities uh, after that experience that I had in Milwaukee, where I first began to be involved with that. But um, you've you've mentioned uh, two of your uh, additions, And I'm just wondering, are there archives that would allow people at this time to be able to access some of those past editions? Uh, Yes, I'm I'm actually in about, I don't know, maybe 50 libraries around the country. Um, I'm archived, of course, in uh, our Milwaukee Public Library system, as well as the uh, State Historical, Wisconsin Historical Society in Madison, our state capital. Um, 
and some of them I'm we're in the process of updating my website but many of the issues uh, are also archived on the website which is www.blackwomen50plusmagazine.com. Yeah. I, I want to also, if you don't mind, talk, because you hit on, on the issue of disparities, which, uh, of course, made me think about the mission and the goals of my publication. Um my mission is to, and and this all of this the magazine and what I do and how I do it and the fact that I've been able to uh, stick with it, be persistent in getting these these issues out. Initially, I did it. I published bi-monthly, and that just got to be too much. Um, and then um, I transferred to doing it on a quarterly basis. So I publish four issues uh, a year, every year. And my mission, um, which all of this, uh, I'm sorry, I'm jumping, but my magazine was created to honor my mother's legacy of service to women. My mother was a beautician, uh, we call them stylists today. She described herself as a beautician. And when she uh, transitioned, I had women stopping me on the streets, women calling me on a, I mean, just using um, every form of, of, of uh, uh, communicating that they could, I mean, sending messages to people to tell me about my mother and the oftentimes life-changing information she gave them or support that she provided to them. And I'll just give you two brief examples. One woman said that she had moved here, moved to Wisconsin from Memphis, and worked as a domestic, was ill-prepared to stand on the bus stop to get to work. She didn't have boots. She didn't have a warm coat, da-da-da. Well, my mother, she said that when she went to get her hair done, my mother gave her a coat, had bought a coat for her, uh, boots, gloves, hat, uh so that she would be comfortable and told her how to dress, how to dress in layers so that she would be comfortable standing on the bus stop to get to work. Another woman told me that she was, uh, she was married, living with her husband uh, and their five children, but her husband did not although he worked, he didn't bring his money home as he should have to take care of his family. And how my mom, she, her children at that time were, were small children, but how she told me how my mother brought her food, gave her food, uh, bought clothes for her children on a regular basis until her children were teenagers. We, that's the kind of thing, and I'm sure that it still happens 
today, but it's not as much of it, and I, I understand that there are reasons why, but it's not there's not as much of women looking out for women as we should. Um, I'm, I'm, I hope I'm not rambling. But the mission, which was my point that I wanted to make, the mission and the goals of my magazine uh, are to educate and empower responsible preventive health practices to decrease disparities in treatment and services to black women, to demystify in simple language major health issues, and to inspire rewarding lifestyles while revealing resources, products, and services that celebrate, to celebrate, the uniqueness of ages 50 plus. And why Um, did you select this as your demographic? Because my mother was 75 when she passed, and I wanted to include her uh, her peers as well. It's interesting that you mentioned that because I've had uh, I've had women in call women call who who didn't uh, totally understand the translation of 50 plus, and they said, "Well, what what?" what happens when you get out of your 50s? What about us? And and I had to explain to them, well, that's the plus. That means all of us, all women, 50 and on, because we're, you know, women live longer than do men. And increasingly the average age is, is uh, uh, of transition is 80 to 90 years old for women, for black women. So uh, that's how the title came up. I knew that I wanted, my mother My mother loved other women, always said that women would do better if they knew better, and recognized the fact that women were, um, m- most women had a major role in influencing the outcome of their children. Um, so I wanted to, my goal was to, and I believe I've accomplished that, to create a tool to continue her legacy of not only supporting women, but enabling them, giving them the information to make informed, intelligent decisions about their lives. Also, women, um, women, and it's a documented fact, women share information more so than, than do men. So if you know something that's positive and beneficial, uh, uh, you're more likely to share that with your circle. And that begins a ripple effect and that your circle is going to share it with their circles, and, the, and the, the information just goes on and on. The knowledge is just passed on and on. Did that answer your question? Yes. And 
Um, the 50s, though, and I'm, I'm wondering I, as I asked that question, because I would say that anecdotally, I've noticed something about age 50. Okay. It seems okay. to release women in a way that even previously may not have existed. Um, the freedom to address issues head on in ways that we may not have been as assertive previously, mm -hmm. that we tend to be, many of us tend to be very uh, uh, candid mm -hmm. about discussing our lives, our experiences to those who want to hear it and those who don't want to hear it. I agree. But we, I agree but we feel at, at ease to do so. Yes. And I can a remember. A confidence. A confidence. Yes. Um, at age 50, I purchased my first Cadillac automobile. Okay. And okay. anybody who knows me knows that I like automobiles. <laughs> and the car was not a new car, but it had to be a Cadillac. And I had a $5,000 budget. And the part that was relevant about this is I said, I'm 50 years old, and I can drive what I want to drive. I don't feel impaired or I don't feel uh, self-conscious about someone saying, look at her. Who does she think she is when driving a Cadillac? Mm -hmm. But as I said, it was whatever I could find that was that I could get for $5,000. Mm. And I enjoyed in that car and driving it uh, until one of the children hit a speed bump and lost all the oil in it, and, and that was the <laughs> end of that car. But there was something about 50. Uh, yes. And there was something about 50 as it related to my work settings yes. where I began to say things that otherwise I may have been violent about. Mm -hmm. So I, I've all, I, when I saw that in your title, 50, and I was just wondering what is there about the age 50 that gives us a, a feeling of release and um, the willingness to to go there where we may not have otherwise felt comfortable doing so. Well, you know, by the time a woman is 50, uh, she's either revered in her community or because of the other side of that is, is because of her lifestyle, she's not. We have paid our dues. We have been... Uh, 
in the valleys, the deep, deep valleys of life, clawed our way out, and in many instances went to the mountaintop. But we have, I mean, we know what we know, what we know. And most of us have the confidence to express it when appropriate. You, You know, most of the women that I know are alpha kind of personalities, uh, which which fits your description, what you've just described. We're alpha personalities. Um, we share. We love hard. Um, we're giving. Uh, but we also have the confidence to tell the truth. Does that make sense? That's certainly something that we've observed, absolutely. Yeah. 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 Which can make us um, a challenge in the workplace Mm -hmm. and um, sometimes in our communities. Mm -hmm. In relationships. Mm -hmm. Yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. I think that um, in our relationships, uh, people may not be um, almost as though they don't know this woman. Mm-hmm. This is not the woman that they that they know. And I speak about this often, and I know you've asked me to, to address the whole issue of uh, menopause, mm-hmm. which um, I, I think that I'm pretty knowledgeable about um, as a uh, clinician, as a physician. And uh, being able to talk about it uh, from a scientific level, mm-hmm. and the role of our the hormones that we have, mm-hmm. and um, how you you basically have a almost a, a whole nother woman mm-hmm. as she enters that phase of her life that may be impacted by factors that she's not even aware of mm-hmm. this this new woman and uh, now, I, I have some, a question since yeah. you mentioned menopause yes I am of the belief that men also go through menopause it's different maybe different uh, symptoms and so forth but does that make, does that make sense am I just way off or what no, I, I I think that we've got more and more of a body of uh, information that basically says that there are changes in the production of various hormones that men make as well, mm-hmm. which do have some impact on them. And um, I think to a great extent, Men have not had any uh, much of an open conversation mm. about noticing some of the changes and haven't been educated mm. in terms of what that looks like mm. and how it manifests itself. But I think that there is, in fact, um, a great deal of support to the point that you're making, 
But on the other hand, there has not been a great deal of research to document that fact and how those changing uh, production of hormones manifest themselves. But yes, there is there is some body of knowledge on Good. that. I'm glad to hear that because when I uh, when people ask me about my husband, I often say, "Well, he's good. He's going through man. I call it menopause, and he gets yeah. so upset. He's <laughs> he. I mean, he doesn't like it at all. But I I believe that." Uh, for my personal situation, uh, I'm happy that to have that confirmed. Thank you, thank you very much. Well, this this, this is your time, <laughs> and this as we as we are so excited to to allow you that opportunity to share with our listeners about your vision and what you are have attempted over these last 20 years through your publication to serve to uh, educate and inspire black women 50 plus in ways that will uh, encourage them to to do some of the things that clearly need to be done in our communities and to pick up for those who have passed. So as the example that you give of your mother and the role that she played with other women in the community, and the role that that you're playing, and we hope that there are other women who will um, continue the things that you have started. And um, you mentioned Memphis, yes. and uh, we typically do a what we refer to as an ancestral profile. And this okay. was started by Dr. Rogers. And in our ancestral profile, we select someone who is now among the ancestors, but who has done something very relevant that has been those during their time. And we hope since then. And uh, I cannot help but think about, as we're speaking of journalism, but Ida B. Wells Barnett. Mm -hmm. Yes. And what a major role she played as it relates to informing the country and I would suspect the nat- the nation, the uh, the rest of the world, about the terrorism that took place in this country, revolving around 
lynching. Yes. And she used her writing skills that helped us, as you are using those literary skills, to educate us. But but you had someone who preceded you in that and and has a a history that um, goes back to Memphis and then found its way to... Chicago, yes. and um, and I'm. Well, she was actually um, one out of Memphis, wasn't she? Yeah. Well, yes. Had to leave. Had to leave. Gonna, they were going to kill her. Right. Um, and she began to write about the the lynching yes. of uh, a very dear friend who was an entrepreneur and doing quite well in, in Memphis. And I believe that her um, office was destroyed. Correct. And she left, found herself in Chicago, and I'm from Chicago, and so um, I was able to learn more of her her history. And, in fact, um, I had heard the name even more in that some of her descendants um, – and I were neighbors living within a, a block or two of one another. Okay. So uh, it's it's a, a person from history that um, I'm able to relate to in that way. Mm-hmm. But uh, I I was so excited as I extended the invitation to you as a publisher, but having thought about those who have preceded you mm-hmm. in well, you know, talking about a subject. And I'm sure there are others, right. but that's the one that comes to mind. Sure. You know, we all stand on the shoulders. It's 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 a cliche almost, but it's the truth. We all stand on the shoulders of someone else, uh, of other women or men who paved the way for us to be able to do what we do uh, today. So nobody uh, accomplishes um, anything or would accomplish anything without that, our predecessors, who uh, probably just went through hell trying to help black folks, trying to elevate black people um, through service or products or whatever. Um, So it's something we need to be mindful of. We all need to be mindful of. I think about some of the young people. In fact, I was speaking to some of the um, young people who are now adults, but who I took around as kids Mm -hmm. um, and who now are grown with their own children. And I've noticed that um, despite being so savvy in the technology of texting and email and Internet, but I found I'll send a message to them using that format and they don't 
return the call. Mm. They don't say, I got your message. Um, and the response that I got is, well, they're busy. They're, they're just dealing with life. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think that what's being lost, and in the example you give about your mother, when we've had an opportunity to be amongst one another and are talking about our challenges. and Because they still exist. They still exist. But if you're not talking about them, then you miss out on those who have been there and may be able to help you. The benefits. Yes. Yes. The and You're so from right. that, I, I feel very sad um, because had um, in, in the capacity as the, the beautician, you allow yourself to go see the beautician, but you're talking about some of your daily challenges mm-hmm. to somebody who has had some of these same experiences who says, oh, I, I can help you with that. So if we're not talking about these things, we don't feel that we have, we feel as though we're by ourselves, Mm -hmm. then it would be overwhelming. Mm -hmm. But I I think that from the standpoint of child rearing and and relationships and job, um, there is so much that we can learn from one another. I agree. I agree a hundred percent with that. Absolutely. So, so we, I'm sorry. we have this we have this opportunity to um to give you the the platform to share with us as you have been this evening the journey that you utilize through uh your literary skills, and um, I wanted you to be able to explore with us in uh, more detail about how you began to realize that you did in fact have or do in fact have these skills, these talents that allow you to use language to help. Well, I have, um, since I was a child, loved to write. And I always wrote little stories. I I love to write and I love to read. Uh, in fact, I would, um, there was a point in my childhood, my, because my mother took me to the library, but she would only, those trips were only once a week. And what I started to do is, um, because I had a little bag to put my books in, is I started to steal books because I could read more than five books that I was allowed at at my age to check out. And I was caught. The librarian (laughs) looked at my bag one day 
and I think I had eight books or nine books, something like that. And she, after blessing me out real, giving me a real good little lecture, um, asked me why. Why did? Why would you do this? And I said, because I could read more than five books, and we can only come to the library once a week. So from that point on, she allowed me to take as many books as I wanted. Um, so I've always, and most of the jobs that I've had, uh, writing was a major aspect of them. Uh, there was always a strong communications aspect to the job. Um, so when I, I'm, and it all circles back to my mom. When when my mother passed, I, I never, I just never imagined life without my mother. So uh, when she passed, I I just went into a deep depression, um, where I went to bed early. I would get up and do what I had to do during the day because part of my mother's teaching was that you should always be functional. You should always be able to take care of your business regardless to what's going on. So I would get up and I'd do what I'd have to do and uh, I'd come home and I was in bed early, uh, which wasn't all good because I had a child. I had a daughter. My husband and I were separated at the time, uh, but he just stepped in and he took over. He took care of me. He took care of my daughter. Um, and of course, we got back together and have been together since then. Um, but I, I heard, my mom heard many, many stories about women. And she would share those some of those stories uh, with me. And there was always this abiding respect, love and respect for other women. And I just, that that's her legacy to me, is that, um, is to be encouraged by the accomplishments of other women. There's no need to be jealous. There's no need to, there's a little sniping and backbiting, but be encouraged uh, because that means that if you work for, uh, you have goals and you work towards those goals, you can, in, in all likelihood, accomplish those goals and be a model to someone else and a help to someone else. Um, we've heard the, the, the phrase, lift as you climb. That means we need to lift each other as you climb. So I also learned, um, and the reason that, I guess that's the reason I've been able to stick with this for so long, uh, was not only because of the support my husband has given me, because there have been, there were years and years and years where there was no profit at all and I only continued to do it because I was working my way out of the depressive hole created by my mother's loss. Um, and then I had I had friends who encouraged me. Uh, uh, Pastor Pat Parker, Patricia Parker, she used to tell me because I would say at, from time to time, I'm not doing this anymore. This is just 
foolish. You know, when you work by yourself, you are the uh, uh, measure. You don't have anybody else to bounce stuff off as much. So you are the measure. And I, I, uh, I said, who cares about what I'm writing? You know, what is what difference does it make? I went through that uh, periodically. And then one day, uh, this woman, I had a little office um, at a building called the Enterprise Center. And this woman came to my office and she told me that uh, she was in fourth stage breast cancer. And it was just her and her husband. And although he would take her, drive her to her her medical visits, her doctor's appointments, he would not come in. He would sit in the car and wait for her. And, of course, when she got back to the car, he would ask her, well, what what did they say? And she said that oftentimes, um, essentially because she was so overwhelmed by the experience and intimidated by the doctors and other medical people, clinicians involved, um, she didn't know what they were saying. She didn't know what they were saying, so she couldn't adequately express to her husband what had transpired during that visit until she read my magazine. And I had, um, she read a particular issue at that point that was on breast cancer. And the cover photo included a picture of the actress Diane Carroll, who was in town in Milwaukee for uh, an engagement, and a group of local survivors. Um, Because when I do a major health piece, I not only describe, do a definition of the the disease or illness, but I also include a glossary of terms, commonly used terms associated with that illness. She said, I didn't know what they were saying until I read your magazine. She cried, I cried, and she gave me a check. And naturally, that was validation that what I was doing through Black Women 50 Plus magazine was bigger than me, much, much bigger than me. And it was indeed uh, serving a purpose. Had found a niche of women who valued and shared the information. I also should have stopped because I could go on and on about my mom and her influence on me in particular. Wherever you'd like to take that. I would, though, like to take the opportunity to expand on this point that you were raising from the standpoint of um, allowing this woman to learn more about uh, the language that pertain to breast cancer. Yes. But I think that we need to begin incorporating and encouraging men or our partners 
to participate more with us when we are facing such challenges. And I speak but, of But this. you know, you know your statement assumes that they want to be. And although I'm sh- I'm sure that many of them would welcome that opportunity, there are also uh women among us who don't have um that kind of 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 uh, openness and support of of men. I mean, you know, men is t- talking about relationships with men. That's a whole nother interview. I uh, but let me let me expand further where I'm going with this. Okay. okay. Um I I think that having been in that arena, um I've found that in fact men uh tend to be interested. And this is the reason he asked the question, what did they say during this visit? But it is also a environment that tends to dismiss men and not support them being in that role. But it is so critical to do so because when you are the patient, and as I've gotten older, I've become more often the patient, and even though I know a great deal about the science that's involved. I have learned the importance of having uh, someone else there serving as my advocate. I cannot advocate for myself fully when I am the subject. And so I have found men to be extremely helpful in listening and asking the important questions that need to be asked. And um, and they, they want to be able to help and to support, but they don't know how, and they haven't been welcomed in doing so. Sometimes... The women are feel embarrassed and and for some reason they don't want to be able to share that much that detail about what they consider to be personal factors. But I can tell you the times that I've been very ill and I insisted that my husband be brought to that space because I didn't really trust anybody else to be able to look out for my interest. And I could not really rest adequately until my husband was there. And I knew that he was aware that I was challenged. And so I support in in my work, I've encouraged men, and I, I really haven't had any who have, when invited, to step away from that particular role. So I see it so important 
that men are invited and encouraged in doing so and helping them understand how very important they are in in that space. So I just want to I, I, I have that. to agree with you, but I also have to to uh, uh, remind you and the listeners of the fact that uh, statistically, uh, it's a statistically proven fact that that um, half more than half of us are not married. Mo- more than half of us are not in um, not half, but a large percentage of us are not in relationships. There's so many of us who are alone. Um, And in those instances, as you suggest, we still need an advocate with us. If you're sick, uh, um, dealing with your illness emotionally sometimes is all you can do. And when you go to these visits, you need someone who has a little more objectivity, is not as emotionally involved as you are. Um, I also encourage people, and I've done several articles on it, when you, when you have a, a, a medical visit, a doctor's visit coming up, research, if they tell you you have um, whatever, they tell you you have cancer, Research cancer. Research, have them write it down. What kind of cancer do I have? Write it out. And you can go on the Internet. Everybody has a cell phone. You can go on the Internet and hit your microphone and and, and announce, I have cancer. Help. And get a list of questions to ask your doctor. Commonly asked questions. So... And have someone with you. I mean, I've I've even gone as far as to say to a doctor, do you mind if I tape the conversation? Some of them say yes, some say no. Um, but to have someone, and I'm fortunate, like yourself, to have a husband who will go, with, or a daughter, my daughter's a nurse, uh, who will go with me, and especially if my daughter is with me. I mean, she can just rattle stuff off, you know, Um, which helps me to fully internalize the information that's exchanged that I'm given and make more of an informed decision about the direction that I want to go. Does that make sense? Yes. Okay. And I I think that speaks for, though, as you were saying, we may not be, though, in a um, committed, romantic type of relationship, but that does not exclude us from inviting a friend. Yes. A relative. Yes. Yes. To come who cares about us to be with us because what I describe is that patients tend to hear what I say every third word. Mm -hmm. They didn't really fully hear. 
and when you ask the question later, what did they hear or what was said to you, um, it's it's a, often a distortion of what was actually told. Sometimes it's described more seriously than it is, and and sometimes not seriously enough. So you do need someone else there with you. Well, I'm I'm so happy that um again we have Linda Jackson Cocroft, who is the founder, the publisher of Black Woman Fifty Plus magazine. She's been uh producing this publication where she began in Milwaukee since 2003, and um, she's covered a great number of topics, and we are just so fortunate to have her with us here today and, um, and to share with us why she came up with this magazine and the kinds of topics that she's covered, and and I'm so grateful that you're doing this type of work, and and I hope that uh, as others listen to this uh, broadcast, will be inspired to consider using their literary skills and um, doing some of the kinds of things that you're doing. There may be another demographic. Maybe there needs to be black woman 20 plus and um, the challenges that are faced and and how to become a 50 plus woman. Um, I, I came up with that topic while we're here. But um, um, each of those time periods represent a whole new set of challenges. Absolutely. And and I'm so happy that that you've defined, along with the uh, contributions of our own Dr. William Rogers, historian, to help us to understand what a major contribution black women have played in our communities. And in fact, uh, I have been inspired at another level on the health side. And um, as we talked about disparities, I have simply decided that I am no longer willing to go along with a health system that thinks that it's okay for black women to die having babies. Yes. And I've attempted to make that message known that pregnancy is with its challenges. And, of course, those of us who become 50-plus have made it past that treacherous time of life, but to to think that 
one of the 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 privileges of being a woman is being able to nurture uh to be able to create the magic of creating another human being uh and holding them protecting them in their own bodies but the casualties that exist and are growing is unacceptable that we are not devoting more time to ensuring that despite the many, many challenges that black women have had, that they should be able to be supported and to safely be able to do that role and deliver their babies and go on to parent those children. And anything short of that, in my mind, is unacceptable. So that has been has been my platform, not through uh, a magazine, but for those who know me, uh, I will constantly bring light to that whole subject. Um, and considering such a valuable place that we hold and we have held within our communities. Um, it is so important that those very valuable parts of our communities are protected. And in the health area, we are not doing enough. And we could do better. And if I'm not having babies, I'm having daughters. We have our daughters. We have our granddaughters. And we don't want anything to happen to them. So it's not a subject that we can just put aside because we're not having children anymore. And so um, I I uh, would hope that um, you have addressed the subject in some manner or that you will um, moving forward. Where do you where do you think we need to, or what would you like to see explored as you are planning? Let's say for twenty twenty three. What, I'd like what, to, what can we expect is going to be coming out of Black Woman 50-plus magazine? Well, um, certainly uh, I will continue to um, address the illnesses and lifestyle concerns uh, that affect us most. Um, i.e., we die more from heart disease, kidney disease, cancer, uh, diabetes, as an example, than uh, women of other ethnic groups. And 
that is a direct result of of um, the disparities in treatment and services and information that is that targets us directly. Um, so I'm going to do that. I, mental. I, I should stop saying that. I have someone who uh, has a column going for me now. She's a psychologist, and she 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 has she coined the the phrase um, mental wellness, not mental illness. But the goal is mental wellness, um, which is a major major factor in our communities. I mean, you can. Just driving along the streets, um, I sometimes observe people at the bus stop and how they're acting, and some of them are obviously dealing with mental health issues. Um, our young people, I know a young person, as an example, she's 19 years old. She's on a suicide watch. Um so mental wellness is a major issue, a major issue. I also am going to continue to talk about relationships, um, not only platonic relationships or romantic relationships, but the relationships that we have with ourselves, how we treat ourselves or allow other people to treat us. Uh, my mom always said, you have to teach people how to treat you. Well, not everybody got that memo. Um, so I will continue to talk about that. I will continue to talk about finances. You talked uh, about your Cadillac, your first car, your Cadillac. Black women purchase more luxury cars than any other segment of black folks. So we need to know, we need to not only know, but appreciate our value, our value to ourselves, to our community, but to the economics of society overall. Um, that, that basically, I, I hear a... a, a a sound. Are we are we close to our closing? No, ma'am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> so, well, since we aren't, can we talk about love language? Since we're going into uh, Valentine's Day, uh, uh, which which at its core, I think is is uh, a worthwhile um, promotion, um, but uh, it has been just, I mean, you know, it's become a major commercial piece also in the country. Um, but someone wrote an article for I'm sorry. Please do, please do. Okay. This is you. But, but somebody wrote an article for me some time ago on the psychology behind the five love languages. Uh, this was written by Dr. Gary Chapman, 
who has also authored a book on love languages. Um, and the five, let me just mention the five before we go into them. It's gift giving. You know, some of us are givers and love to give, love, just love to give to other people, to share with other people. Quality time. Uh, and I've reached the point with um, my family and with people who uh, who have given me gifts, who regularly give me something. I, I've reached the point where I tell them, I don't need any stuff anymore. I'm just like most uh, most Americans, many of us anyway. We are overloaded with stuff. I don't need any more stuff. I need time love is a verb so if you say you love me then spend a little more time with me call me a little more you know just to see how I'm doing don't want anything can't talk long but I just wanted you to know that I'm thinking about you and see how you're doing um, the third love language is physical touch and I'm sure, Dr. Uh, James, that you can comment on that, the importance of physical touch. The fourth love language is words of affirmation. You have to affirm yourself and work on yourself. And finally, acts of service. That's also a love language. Service, what you do for others. your comments. Let's talk about physical touch, Dr. James. Uh, touch is the first language we use to communicate. The first language we know as infants, and, and it plays a critical role in social and behavioral development. Um, there was an article by uh, Catherine Herman, Harmon of um, Scientific America and, and she said that many children who have not had ample physical and emotional attention are at a higher risk for behavioral, emotional, and social problems as they grow up. What do you say? Well, as one who delivers babies and who's around to start that process, and I have shared with many the very importance of the touching of that baby that allows it to develop normally, that it contributes to its growth, its security, its confidence. It's extremely valuable, and it begins as an infant, but I would say that I'm finding that it extends particularly as people uh, grow older, yeah. the need yeah. for touch, which I believe that this COVID experience has brought out where we are distancing us from one another as a means of safety 
but I think that it has its repercussions that are also challenged that we're going to have to figure out how to be able to address. And there is an entity which I've referred to. I call it COVID head, meaning that we are seeing some bizarre types of thought patterns that I think have been um, due to the isolation that uh, our COVID prevention of infection has brought about. And uh, I reached out to someone just this week and touched their hand. And as I've been around some people, I'm sure my friends have wondered, what is this? She's touching us, which they don't mind. They're used to that from me. But I've missed that so much mm-hmm. of just being able to touch, mm-hmm. feel the life in other people. Mm-hmm. So I I am a strong believer in that. Mm-hmm. Great. I um I I had an interview with a woman who um, asked me to come to her job. She had a group home for young mothers. And um, I was there, and the, and the the mother was almost zombie-like. I mean, she, she talked, but she was uh, almost zombie-like. And her child... The, the baby looked to be maybe a year, was seated next to her. And at one point, because we talked, the mother and I talked for about an hour, and at one point the child began to whimper, and she basically just wanted attention. Um, and she had sat for a long time with just this blank kind of stare, I was um, struck by the fact that the mother never touched her. Never, during that whole period, she didn't acknowledge the child. I mean, I would, from time to time, you know, maybe touch her foot or, or look at her and touch her in some way, but her mother never, ever, ever acknowledged her. And... I I just uh, it it was upsetting and I just wondered about the impacts that that would have on that child. Um, Not a good her, one, right? Right. It is it is like depriving some people of water, mm-hmm. of air. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It is critical. Mm-hmm. So it's interesting that you're thinking about that, particularly as we look at the 50-plus woman mm-hmm. who, in many instances, unfortunately, um, those uh, partners in their lives have passed. 
Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, their openness to allowing someone else in that space, in that capacity, is uh, different. Correct. Um, well, some and, of that is, is because of fear, though, isn't it? I mean, there are many different reasons why women are not uh, open to new relationships. Don't get me to think I'm an expert on that subject, because I oh, no. clearly am not. No, 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 no. But, <laughs> but, but, I think, but I see the value. I see the value in considering it. Mm-hmm. And um, that that is an element of our, for some of our existence, to uh, continue in a uh, nurturing, in a loving capacity, but not knowing how to do so in a way that is healthy for them. Their their history may not have been very good along those lines, and they have decided, no, I don't want to do that. I don't know if you listened to The View and its um, major host, Whoopi, and she speaks to that, and that uh, she's she is not uh, the marrying kind that she has learned that that's that's not for her. Okay. And whenever I hear that, uh, I respect it, but um, I also wonder if you just either have not met the right person. Uh, or you have not learned yourself well enough mm-hmm. to be able to express what's okay and what's not okay. Mm-hmm. And I think to a great extent that some of us have not been clear enough about what is acceptable in terms of the relationships that we are in, and if we don't point. make it, mm-hmm. if we don't make it clear what's acceptable, how will people know? And That's so, an excellent this, point. That's an excellent point. And and so, a lot of women uh, want men to do things that they aren't. The man is not aware of the fact that it's wanted or needed. Yes. Yeah. So it's a fascinating subject, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, and as we begin to look at moving forward, do we need to have our eyes more open to the fact that there are mates that might not fit the traditional um mode that that we have grown up with mm-hmm. and we're beginning to now see commercials or television programs 
that are showing us with mates of different races. Lots of ethnicity. Yes. And and perhaps I would say age. Age and mm-hmm. roles. Well, you also add roles. They have different roles, totally different roles in the relationship. You know, you're seeing more relationships where the woman is the primary breadwinner. Yeah. And take it even a step farther, the husband is a house husband is the term that's used, meaning that he doesn't work. He's responsible for the house and taking care of the kids. And I, there are advantages and disadvantages to both, I believe. Um, but I mean, it's a it's a, it's a different world, and I think I think a lot of the confusion that we have in relationships, which goes back to an earlier point that you mentioned uh, indirectly, is is a lack of uh, transparent, clear conversation about expectations. You know, and if you haven't said, uh, if you're, you don't have the confidence to, or or you are just assuming that because this person is a man or your partner, he knows what you need and is going to, what you want and need and is going to do it, uh, provide it, um, I, I think, I just think that's a mistake. And we put give people more more responsibility, credit them with having more sensitivity that in many instances they aren't even capable of. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. Um, another one of, of the... Uh, well, I talked about quality time is uh, um, affirming words to talk to yourself as well as others in a, a positive, nurturing kind of way, instructional kind of way. Um, Verbal communication needs to be encouraging. It needs to be appreciative. I mean, we need to to say more to people, to our uh, the people in our circle. We need to say thank you. I mean, uh, express appreciation. We don't do enough of that. I don't believe. Um. I try to say when my husband does something for me, regardless to how minute it may be for him, I try to say thank you, remember to say thank you, because he didn't have to do it. (laughs) Um, You know, and and affirming affirmations and, and affirming messages can be given in many ways, many ways. You know, uh, actually writing little notes or or uh, people don't write notes a lot, but texting notes. Uh, uh, and actually, when we talk about texting, 
I, I recognize the convenience of being able to text. That means you can communicate, you know, regardless to where you are. You can be sitting in a meeting and, and texting or, or um, sitting in church or somewhere else. And te- uh, although hopefully I, I, you won't do it in church, but you can be sitting in it anywhere doing anything and shoot a text. But I think it's just a lot more personal, for me anyway, to hear your voice. Um, Which goes against the grain of convenience and hurry, hurry. Everything nowadays is rush, rush, hurry, hurry. uh, Do it now. And some things are better not being said now. Uh, you need to marinate them for, on it for a while be, and decide what you're going to say, depending on the subject. Um, because you don't want to be confrontational. You don't want to be too assertive. You don't want to assume things. I'm talking about taking things for granted in conversation, which uh might be motivating for you to respond in kind. And that's a real challenge for many of us, not to respond in kind. You know, if somebody comes at you uh, um, like I'm putting you in your place. I had that experience recently uh, where this person was talking to me in a way her attitude and her body language was, I'm putting you in her pl- in your place. And I was able to recognize that. And my challenge was not to respond to her the way she was talking to me. Is it really worth it? You know, you can't change anybody but yourself, Linda. Um, that was stupid. And she's going to be stupid once this conversation is over. So I didn't. I did not respond to her in kind. But I can remember the time when I would have. Um, so the goal, that's, that's I, I hope I'm not talking in circles, but the goal, you know, everything leads to something else. And the goal for me is to grow, to um, to learn from experiences so that those experiences that are negative, I don't play a role in recreating them. And those experiences that are positive, I remember the lesson, try to in, in remember the lesson and incorporate it into my psyche so that I can do what what's possible to attract those experiences again. Are you there? Well, I'm there. Okay. I'm 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 allowing you that room. Okay. To express your ideas. And Thanks. um as I'm thinking about how you get your ideas for what you're going to incorporate in your 
magazine. Uh, your issues for the magazine, yes. I am a uh, ferocious reader. Uh, that childhood habit continues. I read all of the time. I uh, I read books. I read magazines. I read uh, pamphlets. If I'm somewhere and there's a brochure or something, I pick it up. I'm going to read it. Um, I listen to talk shows. I talk to lots of women. And because I've been out here for 20 years, um, many times I, I will be in a public space and someone will come to me to talk about the magazine, to talk about something they read, to talk about a dilemma that they're going through, a challenge that they recently had, and how they made it through. Um, I was one example is I was I was standing in a line at Michael's the uh, store Michael's and the woman standing in front of me a younger woman she turned around to me and she said he's not gonna marry me and I looked to see who she was talking to and I realized that she was talking to me and I said what and she repeated herself. He's not going to marry me. And um, this woman waited for me to check out. And she told me the story of this man who she had been with for 10 years. And she wanted to be married. But he always had some reason why it should be delayed. Um. And, and she didn't have the strength to leave him. Well, that spurred many articles, many articles from that. Um, so I, you know, when you read something, you've, you've heard the expression, you can't step in the same water twice. No, I haven't oh. heard that one. Oh, okay. Well, you can't step in the same water twice because it just changes. Your 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 imprint in the water changes some of the chemistry of the water. Uh, you Meaning you can't deal with the same concern twice. Because because things are constantly changing. And you have to if you don't change with the with the current, then in many instances you're left behind. In many instances you don't know how understand how to deal with the change that's occurring. Um because you haven't been conscious of the indicators, the ripple of the water. Um, so I read. That's that's where my my uh, my articles come from. I read, and with each thing that I read, it 
it arouses questions uh, in me. And those questions are translated into articles. Well, Linda, we are, we don't, since we're having some of our technical challenges, uh, this is the reason we have not gone to a uh, break when we would acknowledge our sponsors, but we are continue to have, to be happy, uh, to have you in our space. And we are the Sankofa Council of Milwaukee. We are talking with Milwaukee's own Linda Jackson Cocroft, who is founder and publisher of Black Woman 50 Plus magazine that will soon be celebrating its 20th year of publication. And Ms. Jackson Cocroft has talked with us about her vision, and she's talking with us about the types of issues and the subject matter, as well as she has been talking with us about some of her future programs. And we will be approaching soon uh, this the end of this valuable time together uh, with Ms. Jackson Cocroft, who is really playing such a major role in lifting such uh, an important segment of the population. And we are so fortunate to have her here with us. And it, it leads to some, some additional questions. Uh, do you have your readers who reach out to you and not only express uh, how much they have benefited by the stories that you've read, written, but have also asked you about your willingness to research and to incorporate uh, other topics in your upcoming issues? Yes, I, I do. I uh, I get those those comments, those questions, and on a regular basis, and I respond to them as best I can. Generally, in terms of uh, deciding on a subject, it has to be something that has a universal appeal. I, I mistakenly said uh, when you asked me about about um, subscribers. Did you, uh, I can't remember if it was subscribers or how I, I'm circulated or whatever. But I'm in, I'm in uh, I have paid subscribers in 40 states. Um, probably more than that. I, I need to check. Um, and, and they sometimes call in or write in the men. I, I receive 
almost as many calls from men as I do women who say they were, I was in the grocery store or I was at a, a metro market or someplace and I saw your magazine and I said, let me see what these women are talking about. <laughs> and, <laughs> and they will ask about specific articles. I mean, they have thoroughly read them and understand them and they have their questions. Um, or they will ask me, well, why don't you write about men? And I said, well, I can't do it all. Uh, or sometimes they will say, the men will say, I didn't like this article uh, that you wrote about uh, divorce. I got a lot on divorce. Um, and why did you do that? And I didn't understand this. And I said, well, my response to him, to each person that brought me that conversation was, it's a woman's magazine. It's for women 50 plus. I'm sorry that you didn't get it because that means that you don't understand it and you will continue to be offensive uh, uh, part of the problem with this subject, but it's not for you. I'm sorry. Um, so back to your original question, I am open. I'm always looking for articles of women who are doing unusual things. Uh, generally to benefit from which other women can and their families will benefit. Although once I read a story about a woman, uh, the story was about empathy. Uh, and I would, I would be open to something like her story. Her story was, it was human, a human interest story about empathy. She had been raised in foster care. She didn't have a family. Um, she lived alone and she took the bus to work and she walked through an alley to get to the bus stop. And then walking to the bus stop, she, she noticed, uh, I think the term it's feral, a group of, um, just alley cats, literally alley cats. And winter was coming. She got a garbage can and insulated that garbage can, uh, put a, a little door that would close, cut a door that would close, open and close, that they could go in and out of and put uh, uh, material around the opening so it wouldn't be sharp. Um, and started feeding these cats. And she noticed that some of them looked sickly. She researched that, went to the uh, to a pet store and got vitamins and other things to put in the food of these cats. I mean, she literally adopted a group of alley cats. When she moved, she, ha she got another job, so she was moving closer to her job since she was reliant on the bus woman lived in Chicago. She actually ran an article in classifieds in the classified section saying we'll pay someone to feed feral cats. And that's how I heard of it. Um, so I mean that's a wonderful story that talks about the need to love, to and and to contribute. Um, 
issues of being alone, uh, how she used these cats to fulfill her loneliness. I mean, it's her her need to give is what I should say. Um, so, I mean, those are some of the ways that, that I, I identify stories to write about. Linda, please, please uh, share with us how one gets in touch with you or um, to learn more about your your magazine, how to get the magazine, how to, uh, how, do, how do we reach you? Well, my uh, office phone number is 414-263-4266. That's 414-263-4266. My web address is www.blackwomen50plusmagazine. I am always open to listening um, about your, hearing about your concerns, your needs as result, as, uh, as related to health, uh, lifestyles, Whatever it is that's on your heart that would have a universal appeal. And as I said, uh, my magazine is around the country. So I write about issues that are common to us as women, common to us as black women. Um, so that's how, either through my website or if you want to call me, that's fine. If you want to shoot me an email, that's Fine. Also, my email address is L J C period B W fifty mag M A G at gmail dot com. That's it. Well, well, that is. We greatly appreciate that information, and for those who are listeners, we are here on Saturdays from 6 to 8 Central Time. Our number is 215-490-9832, and you can reach us through our email address, which is Sankofa Council MKE at gmail.com. We are so fortunate to have with us as our guest, Miss Linda Jackson Colcroft, founder and publisher of Black Woman 50 Plus magazine who is here from Milwaukee. We are just so fortunate that she has been willing to share with us her thoughts, her work. Um, we hope that this information you have found was inspiring 
to you, to your, uh, to other young people, to encourage them to participate in writing. And we've talked about some of the very valuable lessons that can be learned. And we thank you for joining us today as we prepare to complete this time together. I thank also we are Dr. the late Dr. William Rogers, the projection staff, and the Sankofa Council for its support of this program and for sharing their vision for unity following Afrocentric principles and helping us to learn and use those principles in our lives. We look forward to bringing to you more programs that we hope you will enjoy. Visit our sponsor, www.edocadvice.com and the Finley Medical Clinic. Good night and stay safe. The Sankofa family and all of you, until next time, this is Dr. Janine Jane.
to my brother And I say, brother, help me But I know 